I was on a panel last week and I, uh, a, a younger woman in her mid twenties is the CEO of a company. And she shared this anecdote about pivoting her business in the, at the start of the pandemic and her awareness that the decisions that she was making were going to have an impact on her entire team, her executive staff, her management staff, her production facilities in another country, halfway across the planet. And her, her self-possession that, okay, this decision needs to happen. She made it in 12 to 24 hours. And yet she was aware it was connected to other people's lived experiences. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Dr. Melissa Briggs Phillips of Next Generation Behavior Health. Dr. Melissa, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Gresh. Looking forward to it. Definitely excited to have you on as well. And before we jumped in, I want to read a little bit more about Dr. Melissa so you can hear about all the awesome things that she's doing. And Dr. Melissa is a clinical psychologist with a non-traditional career path. After completing her PhD, she spent several years at serving as a project director, executive director, and chief of staff in various settings. She never stopped teaching as an adjunct professor and maintained a part-time commitment to clinical work. And in 2014, she decided to blend her diverse background, managing people, teams, budgets with her therapists, self and launch next generation behavioral health. She's an executive therapist that works with leaders of their internal worlds so that they can show up as their best selves in their professional roles. Her teaching these days is speaking and presenting at conferences with the hopes that people leave thinking about something from a new angle and action items to use immediately in their lives. Dr. Melissa, great to have you on the show. Are you ready to speak to the IMCL community? I sure am. Awesome. Well, let's do it then. So to kind of kick everything off, I know I touched on it a little bit when I read your bio. Could you take us through what I like to call your CEO story? We'll let you get started with all the awesome work you're doing. Absolutely. You know, I, I bet a lot of people are going to relate to this based on your audience. Um, the number one value that always came up for me when I did little career surveys and interests and personality assessments was autonomy and self-direction. I, I value autonomy and self-direction. And I pursued that um, by going straight through school. But what I found was that higher education and some of the employment experiences that I had didn't actually allow me this thing that was a core value. Uh, so when I went off on my own, I realized that I was kind of flanking toward that thing that had been with me all along. Mm -hmm. And I think that when folks are business building, you have a heavy entrepreneurship listener base, I think they'll relate to that, that you are willing to eat fire if you're doing it for yourself and you can work those 16, 18 day, hour days when it's your baby. And I think that ultimately the reason I went off on my own were those core values and the 
the content of what I do is certainly a blend of everything I carried with me along the way. You, you know, where we are right now is a caravan of all of the places we've been. So yes, I'm a clinical psychologist and I finished that work a long time ago. And then just through a series of kind of serendipity, I ended up serving in operational leadership roles on some complex projects. So I'm a therapist as my professional identity, but my jobs, if you think about a career as an arc and a job being a thing you do for money, but a profession, your identity, for me, I've always held on to clinical psychologist as an identity, but I've had several jobs as chief of staff, restructuring a research department, as an executive director, as a project lead, as an owner's rep. Essentially, I functioned as an owner's rep on a huge um, construction project at a large land grant university. So I've had the experience of making a million dollar decision and pressing a button and spending um, money with a lot of zeros in it. And I've hired uh, probably a few dozen people in my lifetime and managed teams and had to work with a zero-based budget. So I'm a therapist, but I've had all those other experiences as well. And I kind of sit in that pocket, I guess, when I sit with my clients and when I'm working with teams or presenting at conferences. So I kind of have both lenses when I speak with folks. And so I, I know that's a lot of like what you kind of talk about with clients. Am I correct about, you know, having those conversations? Well, I mm-hmm. guess, could you touch a little bit more on how that goes and then um, what you feel maybe if that's your part is your secret sauce? Uh, um, gosh, that's so great. I'm always, well, first of all, I'm always a little bit skeptical of anybody that says they have a secret sauce. <laughs> I, am, I always raise an eyebrow. I always am. A, I'm, I'm, I think that it's good to be an informed skeptic in life. Uh, mm-hmm. Not cynical, but just a little bit skeptical. So I, I would not purport to have a secret sauce, but I do okay. have, um, I think, um, sort of a, one, a way of packaging some age old constructs in a way that make them actionable for people. So you use that phrase holding space, which mm-hmm. I, I love that because we hold space for others and we need to hold space for ourselves. So let me ask you, what do you do to hold space? Cause that's a great term. So do you have a daily ritual or a practice or what, how do you do that for you? Yeah. And I'm glad you asked that. And that's something that, especially like during this, you know, transformational time, I've been more aware of where and how I have been spending my time and energy. But for me, like you mentioned journaling, that's something that I don't do nearly as much, but I I need to incorporate that even more. But I do meditate. I pray. Um, I go to, I don't know if going to the gym actually qualifies, but I know it's definitely someplace that I hold space to kind of get out that energy, but it's those actionable things that I feel like when I don't do them, I know because my day just doesn't seem like it's going as as I want it to go. Yeah, no, the gym actually absolutely counts. And I will tell people sometimes like, Hey, you can pay me or you can maybe join a a CrossFit gym or hire somebody to come walk your dogs or clean your house or what you need is to poach minutes back. That is a higher and better use. Uh, that's going to have more therapeutic impact than me for six months. I, I mean, I absolutely believe it's not always sitting in a room and talking to someone. So I have a little suggestion about journaling. So this mm-hmm. is, this comes up for, for me a lot with people. 
Um, it doesn't have to be, and if you are a drip, if you are a type A, if you are a successful person, if you're a driver, then you want to, whatever you do, you want to do the best. And so what I tend to have are folks who are like, well, I tried to journal, but I just can't do it because I can't allocate the time and it's so overwhelming. And what if I have nothing to say? And I'm like, time out, time out. Here's how you do it. You get a day planner or a place that maybe you write down the to do things for the day. I'm, you know, I'll be 48 this year. So I'm still old school. I like a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> uh, if, how about you, Gresh? Do you write things down or do, I, are you all electronic? I, I'm a little new age and old school. I do miss writing down and I'm, I'm terrible with paper. So I use a digital kind of write um, planner, not a planner, but a, um, a tablet that I can write on like it's a book. So I'm a little bit in okay. the middle. So you're in the middle. Okay. So I, I like my old school planner and I make it nice. I had my spouse got me the, the New York times planner for 2021 and had my initials like, um, uh, monogrammed on the front of it. And so it's like pretty, it's this pretty leather bound thing. And in it, I have a key and there's a very basic key that you can use. So I have a one sentence gratitude practice and it's not every day, but when something good happens that I have a moment, I appreciate it. I write the date and I write like one or two sentences and I draw a square around it. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I have something that's just a big idea or a thought that I think might be useful later, I write it down and I draw an asterisk next to it. And if there's something that's a task that I need to get done, I draw a triangle next to it. So there's my gratitude journal, there's my big idea journal, and then there's my task um, to do list all in one spot. And it's just a visual cue so that you know when you go back. So I have a practice at the end of the year where I go back in the end of December of whatever the year, and I go all the way back to January and I leaf through. And it's a way to remember that good stuff happened in the middle of the chaos. Yeah, absolutely. I love that reliable narrators and those ruthless kind of questions that you can ask, because I think so many times, and, and I was going to ask you for, for what I call a, a CEO nugget, and this might be right along the lines, which is kind of like a word of wisdom or, per, or a piece of advice. Is it that, you know, being able to, of course, ask those questions and that one of the questions that you gave us, but also, I guess we're talking about space, creating space to have that introspection and be able to ask people of that, because I feel like it's harder for ourselves to look in the mirror and sometimes say exactly what we see. Whereas sometimes if we have that environment, those people around us, it allows us to, to kind of see with a little bit less tainted lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's not always easy to hear the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh I mean, that's, you know, and, and to be frank, some people can't, you know, their personalities are so defended or they, they're so fragile or they've been so wounded. Um, you know, I kind of think about um, some of the best leaders have pillar personalities versus scaffolding personalities. You know, they're just solid and you may not like everything about their solidity, how solid they are, but you you feel safe with them does that make sense yes. versus a scaffolding personality where you know it's sort of this piecemeal um gosh they tend to be the leaders that seagull you know they swoop in with the big idea and mm -hmm. plop it on the floor and then swoop out and mm. the whole team is like what what just happened <laughs> um that that's that would be sort of a manifestation of more like scaffolding versus a pillar 
Um, and it, it can be hard to get feedback about those sorts of things, but I do think it's a differentiator. Um, I wanted to ask you now my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping mm. to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So Dr. Melissa, what does being a CEO mean to you? I was, um, I was on a panel last week and I, uh, a, a younger woman in her mid twenties is the CEO of a company. And she shared this anecdote about pivoting her business in the, at the start of the pandemic and her awareness that the decisions that she was making were going to have an impact on her entire team, her executive staff, her management staff, her production facilities in another country, halfway across the planet. And her, her self-possession that, okay, this decision needs to happen. She made it in 12 to 24 hours. And yet she was aware it was connected to other people's lived experiences. So to me, it is not about um, living in an isolated way um, because as much as I want to be autonomous and self-directed. What I care about is having a community of people that at some level shares a collective vision. And whether that, I think most people, whether it's Starbucks or um, my tiny little boutique private practice, what you are committing to is um, fidelity to your cause and bringing people with you along the way. So I, I think that can happen at a really large scale and a really small scale. Um, so that's what it means to me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Dr. Melissa, truly appreciate that definition again. I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is just pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's okay. anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you and find out about all the awesome things you're working on. Yeah, you know what? I have a homework assignment. So I have a routine practice of asking my clients to identify their uh, moral code, or another way of putting it is their life precepts, kind of like rules to live by. And they can be informed by faith tradition you were raised in. They can be informed by the wisdom traditions that you may um, be aware of and write them down. And every day, um, or at least once a week, kind of remind yourself, like, am I acting in alignment with my core, um, my, my moral code or my life precepts? So, and they can be evolving. So three life precepts for me right now, just because you can does not mean you should. <laughs> my second one is whatever you do, do on purpose. And my third one is seek to find the balance of truth and love. So those are currently my core life precepts. They help you make decisions. When you are in that flooding midbrain, if you can come back to your moral code or your life precept, it gives you just a little bit of nudge in the right direction. So it's harder than you might think. When I ask people to do this, they usually struggle with it because they tend to list like values or ethics. And that's not what this homework assignment is. It's a moral code. And I like the like three, five or seven. So have, I, I think that would be a fun homework assignment for your listeners. And um, I'm in central Ohio and Columbus, Ohio. My website is behaveforward.com. Um, and I, I, am, I am findable if I can be useful as a resource. 
Absolutely. Well, I definitely appreciate that, Dr. Melissa. You definitely are a great resource. So I appreciate you for dropping so much knowledge and information for us today. We will have the links and information in the show notes. And I love that kind of last homework assignment because I think um, sometimes it could be difficult because we never ever flex those muscles. And if you don't take time to kind of do that, the first time it usually probably always is. So I appreciate you for reminding us of that, of why we're doing what we're doing, which we can definitely get lost in and, you know, putting that pen to pad, so to speak, or even if you're using uh, a, a um, tablet like I am, you can write it down there. <laughs> <laughs> so appreciate you, Dr. Melissa, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Don't forget to schedule your complimentary digital marketing consultation at blue16media.com. This has been the I Am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.